0: Professional and unprepared, our lighthearted weekly conversation about sports, life, fatherhood, and whatever else comes up with no script and no preparation. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and this week we discuss conference championship games, how to handle your first press conference, and where not to get financial advice. As always, I am joined by two of the best ever. Phil Denko is back. Hi, Gerbs. How you doing? I'm good, man. And Chuck Rambaldo is here as well. Chucky, how are you? Good. Yo, what's going on, Gerbs? Well, Chuck, we're recording a podcast. That's what's going on, man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right. I hit thought the right like, yeah. I, I thought <laughs> I thought you knew. Chucky. why don't we start with you tonight, man? Tawny crazy ants, named for their fast, erratic movements, can blanket the ground by the millions. Originating in South America and now established in parts of the southern U.S., they harm other insects, asphyxiate chickens, and even short-circuit electronics in homes. If the spread of crazy ants continues north, the calcium-rich limestone bedrock of the lower U.S. Midwest may provide ideal conditions for populations to explode. Are you concerned about the explosion of chicken-killing ants, and how should this be handled? Well, I fucking wasn't until you said something. (laughs) Jesus.
1: I thought I'd have to sweat through the murder hornets, but you're saying ants might pose a bigger
0: threat? Well, I don't know about that. Tawny crazy ants are coming. And they, sleep. they and they kill chickens.
1: That's impressive. But I did Tawny watch crazy Ant-Man. Ants. They're very strong. Tawny, Tawny crazy me. ants.
2: Isn't that the chick that beat up Chuck Finley?
1: Yeah, right? And uh, that's <laughs> what I thought, too. And it was like the Warren video. Yeah,
0: right? it was, was in a ants. bad 80s rock video, too. <laughs> she was super hot. Then oh, yeah. Tony Catane, I think oh, was her name. And I don't think she her. posed quite the threat to chickens that yeah, the Tony Crazy do. Uh, to. Thanks who a knows. whole lot for nothing, Chuck, <laughs> on not being able to give us any advice on how to prepare <laughs> for that. Fellas, we're going to do things a little bit differently tonight because there isn't a ton of Cleveland sports news right now, but the NFL is dominating pretty much everything else. So we're going to start by talking about the conference championship games in our first segment, move on to some other sports topics in our second, and close out with the regular off-field segment. But real quick, it's worth noting right now that the Cleveland Cavs got two wins against the Nets last week, then got absolutely thumped last night by the Celtics. And as we are recording this, are actually up by three, I think, on the Lakers right now. If the season ended today, the Cavs would be the sixth seed in the East. So perhaps maybe these guys aren't really shitty. Real quick, you've got one minute Give me a take on the Cavs. Somebody. Phil? Oh, one minute. A take on the Cavs. Uh, they are
2: who we thought they were, right? Now they're, uh, they're playing just above 500 basketball. They're going to surprise you, I think, with some wins against a team like Brooklyn, who doesn't quite know what they are yet and competing against the reigning champions. And then they're going to get blown out by 40 every now and again. I think that sums up the sixth, seventh or eighth seed in the East in any given year. So that's where they are. And so you're saying this last week of Cavs basketball is a microcosm
0: of the entire season. That's right. They can stop right now. Like you said, just let's go playoffs, <laughs> six seed. All right, let's get moving and start talking about the NFL Conference Championship games. We'll start with yesterday's afternoon game, the Bucs at the Packers. Bucks grabbed a win on the road in a game that should have turned on turnovers, but didn't. But did prove that Phil and I still don't know that much about football. <laughs> Biggest story, obviously, coming out of the game was Tom Brady. Completion percentage was right around 50% yesterday. 280 yards passing, three TDs, but three picks too. So Chucky, how would you grade Tom Brady's performance in the game yesterday? Good enough to win. He threw some nice balls. I didn't think every interception was on
1: him. I know it was on Mike Evans. Uh, I think he played well enough to win so many weapons. Defense is so good. I don't think he has to be like Tom Brady from 10 years ago. Uh, And he's still a far above average quarterback. It's not like he's lost any arm strength or anything like that. So I thought he played pretty
0: well for the first time in an NFC championship. The other storyline that obviously comes out of this is Brady's in the Super Bowl and Belichick's at home. Do you think that's fair for people to make that comparison with the way their seasons went? That's kind of the, you know, let's grab the headline, right? Like obviously
2: Belichick needed Brady more than Brady needed Belichick. I think that might be true this year or in certain years, but I, I think throughout their run, there were a lot of times that Patriots championship team was built on uh really stout defense and you know, short passing game and those kind of things. So in other years they they spread it out a little bit. So I, I think they changed throughout the years, and this year is one that they put Tom Brady, who is obviously still capable of really dominating NFL football games, or or like Chuck said, at least playing really well enough to win against strong competition. Tom Brady's on a team full of weapons. I don't know that any Patriots team, and this is up for debate, I guess, I don't know that any Patriots team really had the weaponry that Brady has now on offense with Tampa Bay. So to answer your question, I think Brady certainly makes any coach better. But I think Belichick's system is what gave them their long run.
0: That's pretty good. Chuck, over, (laughs) under... On wins, if Brady was the quarterback of the Patriots this year, I would say seven or eight. Oh, you think they, he would have won them? You think he would have won I, more games than Cam? I do.
1: Yeah, in the system, comfortable with the
0: system, has
1: produced with not a great deal of weapons over the past year, other than Julian Edelman. I
0: mean, honestly, is I, I, yeah, I think he's at least five hundred if he's at the Patriots this year. Tampa Bay has so many weapons that he can use. And I think the biggest thing is just a better offensive line. You know, they kept the Packers off of him all day long. He was almost never pressured. And I think he's got the arm strength and he's got the ability to play great when he's not getting knocked around. And I'm afraid that that would have happened to him in New England. Do you think Um, uh,
2: motivation is a part of it too this year? If I had to choose between the two, I bet Tom Brady was way more motivated to prove that he didn't need Belichick than Belichick was to prove he didn't need Brady. Belichick probably isn't motivated by much other than, All right, it's my way. This is what we're doing. Yeah, you, you know? yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. Danko, multiple choice question for you. Where did the Pack lose this game? Was it A, letting Jason Pierre-Paul have more sacks than fingers on his right hand? <laughs> B, going to the locker room exactly one play before halftime, C, thinking field goals inside two minutes are worth eight, or D, all of the above, or E, I guess, none of the above. I'm going to say D. No,
2: no, no. Wait a minute. Which one? (laughs) Which one was the field goals not worth eight points? Was that C? C. C, that's my choice. Jason, did he really have five sacks or four? How many fingers does he have? Three? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) <laughs>
0: this the is where that department been... <laughs> gave me that one.
2: I've been thrown off by the A already. Uh, so I'm going with C. I, I think kicking a field goal inside of two minutes, thinking that perhaps it was worth eight is, is a disaster. And we saw that unfold. I could lean towards none of the above either. I, I think the Packers, they got three picks from Tom Brady and capitalized only one time. That's not winning football. I mean, you, you don't have to score touchdowns on those three picks, but you got to put up more than six points, taking the ball away three times, especially with, Green Bay's offense. That surprised me. I
1: think that's where they lost it, really. Can I interject for a second? (laughs) Well, I was going to ask you a question, but, you know, go ahead. It's it's
0: your podcast after all, Chucky. I
1: just just want (laughs) to answer part of that question. All those things. I might go with E. They might have lost this game uh, as early as this past year's draft. Mm. You make it to a conference championship the year before. You're 13 and 3. Your first round draft pick is an heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers, who's playing at MVP level. Your second round draft pick is a backup running back to back up probably a top five to top seven back in the league they drafted no one who could help them this year get over a hump
0: be a little better where they needed to be so I think it kind of started then and
1: carried over to kicking a field goal
0: when they should have been going for it on fourth down do you think Chucky that the Packers need to be worried about Roger's comments after the game I don't know he seems like
1: such a whiny moody bitch a lot of the times like I'm shocked (laughs) State Farm pays him to look happy because I just think he probably Miserable making those commercials. I guess. I mean, he's always kind of been really vocal and kind of like the emo quarterback of the NFL, where he's a little more emotional than most guys. And it's mostly somber. Yeah. When your MVP quarterback says, "I don't know about my future," obviously you should be somewhat concerned. But where where is he going to go? And why would it's not the NFL functions differently than like the NBA? When James Harden can say, "I'm done. Send me somewhere else." Like that that ain't happening in the NFL, and it's definitely not happening for Aaron Rodgers. So I still think he's a Packer next year. Or does he? tired no oh clearly he's
2: frustrated right because how many times do they get to the championship game and they can't get over the hump i agree with chuck in that you're supposed to be the leader of this team and that's not leadership right there i don't know maybe he's looking across the field in that given game and saying tom brady changes teams in one year and he's in the Super Bowl is there a better team out there for me let's start thinking about that but honestly the Packers they have offensive weapons for days right I mean I don't know what their free agency looks like but I think he's a Packer next year
0: you know and probably ends up just as frustrated (laughs) I've actually never heard him referred to as the emo quarterback of the NFL I think that's (laughs) new but I, I think sometimes we put a little bit too much on these guys right after losing a big game yeah I mean I remember being 16 and losing an absolutely meaningless JV baseball game. And I didn't want to talk to anybody else on the team. I didn't want to talk to my parents. I definitely wouldn't have talked to a reporter had there been one there for some reason. (laughs) So I mean, cut the guy a little bit of slack, man. That's a hard game to lose. I think he's pissed because they didn't go for it on fourth down. They kicked that field goal with two minutes left. And that's something where it takes the game out of his hands and it's got a frustrated guy like that like crazy. So I tend to agree with you. This probably smooths over and he's just fine. And that's still a really, really good football team. And the way quarterbacks are playing now, that guy's got five more years of productive football to play. So why wouldn't he stick around? All right. AFC championship game, Bills versus the Chiefs. The Chiefs just- made it look easy felt like they were in control of the entire game Chucky when the bills were up by nine were they really in the game I didn't see the beginning of the game I don't know where I got.
1: no no I I can't this is perfect he's completely unprepared this is great um so early in the
0: game Chucky the bills were up by nine there I got
1: it uh when I sat down it was nine nothing I was like oh man man, this might get out of hand and then uh yeah then I saw the Chiefs play and seemed to play far better than they did the Browns, at least defensively. But then again, like Buffalo is, I've watched games, but I still didn't realize just how one-sided they are. They don't run the football. Their best running back is Josh Allen. So it seemed like the Chiefs blitzed non-stop as well. Seeing Patrick Mahomes have no ill effects from his head-neck injury or his turf toe. Like at nine-nothing, it could have been
0: 21-0. I think the Chiefs still would have won that game. My next question was, Denko, what impact do you think turf toe and concussion had on Mahomes? Uh, the only impact I could <laughs> see in that game was
2: he didn't win at 72 <laughs> to yeah. so whatever the Bills ended up with. You know, he looked like he was hobbled a little bit more by the turf toe on occasion. But, you know, as the game wore on, he looked fine. So I don't think it had much effect at all. He looked like he was ready to go and probably ready to go in a
0: couple weeks as well. Chucky, what do you think the Chiefs are doing on offense that just makes it look so easy and so relaxed for them to score points?
1: Brilliant play designs a lot of times. I know they play aggressive on offense we kind of saw it in the Browns game and they talked a little about Tyreek Hill I've never really seen a receiver run a fly pattern across the field not just straight they run a lot of deep slants and he's so fast and quite possibly Travis Kelsey may be the best tight end of all time they're just loaded and maybe that's why it looks so effortless because at every skill position they have an A plus or a 95 to a 99 if you're playing Madden it's unreal you see what happens it doesn't matter if you score 60 points you're still losing that
0: game. Didn't feel like there was a moment in that game where they were sweating. It just seems like the coaching staff, the players, especially on the offensive side of the ball, they just have that level of confidence and control that they can just do whatever they want to. And it almost feels like they're having a good time. You know, hey, we've driven the ball all the way down the field. Why don't we score a touchdown by throwing an underhand pass to Travis Kelsey up the (laughs) middle? Yeah, why not? Let's give that one a shot. That (laughs) seems like fun. And then it works. It's really something. And I tried to think today of guys that we could compare Mahomes to that we've seen play. I couldn't think of anybody.
2: Yeah, that, that's a hard comparison. He's in a category by himself, not saying he's the greatest quarterback of all time, but the way he plays the position, it that's hard. I can't right off the top of my head, I, I can't think of the perfect comparison there. He's that quarterback that like a Baker Mayfield tends to do better when he's kind of on the move and throwing, you know, in rhythm while moving kind of thing. His little dump-off passes, because of the talent they have around him, they're worth 70 yards on occasion. To Chuck's point, to have a tight end like Kelsey, he's just unguardable. Like, who do you cover that guy with? Mahomes puts his long balls right where it needs to be. To borrow a comparison, I guess, from baseball, he is the 5 tool player, right? Like, he is out there, and there is no part of his quarterback game that, oh, here's his weak spot, let's uh, force him into this, because you know, what is that weak spot? So I don't know. I don't have
0: a good comparison. How about Randall Cunningham combined with young Drew Brees?
2: Yeah, if we're going to start mashing up right, other of course. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we could come up with a Patrick Mahomes if we mash up other quarterbacks. I like that so, one. That's a good one.
0: So, Chucky, the Super Bowl opens up at minus three. Chiefs, uh, what do you think? I think if I had $100,000 to play with
1: or even to pay bills with, I would then bet it on the Chiefs because I think that line should be no less than eight. And I like the Buccaneers, and I really want them to win because Patrick Mahomes, to me, is becoming curry like he's flawless and everybody loves him and he's so good but i hate his fucking guts i'm starting to hate him <laughs> wait a, but a minute i, think I thought that this line... was the year
2: to love everybody <laughs> Yeah.
1: Wait yeah a minute. <laughs> no. i just think that's easy money and I, I can't imagine not seeing that line go up every day this week by wednesday it should probably be six because so much money would move to the chiefs I, I would assume i looked at that first thing i did after that game like oh, i wonder what the line's gonna be and i'm like oh my gosh it's basically it's a pick 'em. it's three yeah. points it's crazy to me do you think that has anything
2: to do with the fact that it's in Tampa you know this has never happened before in the history of the Super Bowl like team that's playing in it plays at home not that the crowd matters but I was surprised by the line too although I gotta say once you get to the Super Bowl matchup has there been a real big line like six might be a big line in the Super Bowl
0: right well I bet there were some of those games 15 20 years ago when it was like the Niners against somebody you knew they were just gonna cream might have had a big line or I thought three was pretty low but we'll we'll see what happens with two weeks before the game that line was probably move quite a bit. All right, guys. So I think that's some good coverage of the conference championship games. And uh, why don't we take our first break? and We'll move on to our next segment. Unprofessional and Unprepared is brought to you by this proud sponsor. Hello, I'm Roger Goodell. And on behalf of the NFL, I want to share the league's pride in providing our fans with a full season of NFL games, expanded playoffs, and soon the Super Bowl during this unprecedented pandemic. This was not easy for our league or our teams, but We have so much money that we could afford enough tests and the costs associated with real contact tracing. Leveraging our massive financial resources, we were able to ensure that if COVID hit the NFL, the NFL could hit back. But we know most, well let's face it, none of our fans have our kind of money, but those same fans still probably don't want COVID. If you are not a billionaire and don't have a good black market link to a few hundred thousand vaccine doses like we do, We have a plan for you. The NFL is proud to share and sponsor its punt, pass, and kick COVID plan for fans of all ages, as long as those fans are under the age of 70. Want to beat COVID just like the NFL, but without any of the massive financial resources? Then just punt anyone who gets within six feet of you, especially in an enclosed public area. Pass by all your favorite places to go where other people might gather, and kick off the new year hoping you are in line for a vaccine you can beat COVID without money or medical care just punt pass and kick your way to immunity all right welcome back fellas let's go into segment two and hit some of the other big headlines from the last couple weeks in sports this is of course the time of year for nfl coaching changes i wanted first to talk about the new coach of the Detroit Lions. Did either of you have a chance to see his introductory press conference? Just the highlights. Yeah. In case you missed it, I wanted to read briefly from his comments on where he thinks he wants to take this team, his theories on offense and defense and what kind of things he wants to instill in the young men he'll be leading. So this is Dan Campbell. This team is going to take on the identity of this city, all right? And this city's been down and it's found a way to get up, all right? It's found a way to overcome adversity. And so this team is going to be built on we're going to kick you in the teeth, all right? And when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off, all right? And we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down, all right? And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap and then we're going to get up. And then it's going to take three shots to get us down. When we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. So first of all, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Detroit, but does that seem like it reflects the city very well? I think that reflects like a, like a drug
1: addict, maybe like a, someone high on PCP there. You know, I don't know what's going on there. It's a poor representation because I assume most residents of Detroit have their kneecaps. Right. Yeah.
0: I think that <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah, right. At least one of the two. <laughs> so Chuck, if you are one of the players on the Lions, what do you think watching this press conference? Uh, pray for me. That's so rah rah And I would assume
1: at a professional level, you have some sort of PR team who's going to say, hey, this is just your introductory press conference. Here's some bullet points for you to hit. Let's right. hand some people, let's take some photos, shake hands, introduce your kids if you want to. Let's leave the kneecap biting out of this or punching <laughs> you in the face out of it. I'm, I'm just shocked that if anybody thought it was like a breath of fresh air, they're sorely mistaken, just how poorly I think it came off on a national level. Uh, maybe yeah. Detroit loved it, but I was just like, "Hey, three and thirteen next year sounds just about right for you guys." So
0: even if they were excited when they found out this was going to be their guy, that's one of those press conferences, <laughs> much like the Adam Gase one that we talked about several pods ago. That just calls into question whether there's any way this thing is going to work. Phil, if yeah. you're Lions ownership, what do you
2: think of that press conference? <laughs> I have to look just immediately to my east and think, huh, I bet the Browns faithful know what this is like, and we should just move on from him right now. (laughs) Like, why are we going to even waste the year? And it's going to be a one and done coach. Let's move on to our next choice because this guy, uh, he failed the press conference. And then you wake up today and see, which I'm sure of no surprise to anybody, that Matthew Stafford's demanding a trade because who wouldn't?
0: Right, right. (laughs) Uh, It's probably time for Stafford to move on. He's been in Detroit for a really long time and this team is not winning anytime soon. And if I'm that guy, I'm looking at the end of my career and I'm ready to move to something different. And I don't think I want to go play for this fired up guy who's, I don't know, maybe this works in college. It definitely works in high school. You still wouldn't do it at your introductory press conference for your new high school job. I don't know if it works in the NFL. In Pittsburgh, they have brought in Dwayne Haskins and they're looking at bringing in Hugh Jackson to be their offensive coordinator. Phil, how many wins is this pair worth in the division?
2: I can only Right now, imagine the elation that Tom Burke felt when he found out that the team up north had signed. <laughs> <laughs> what's his name to an extension there? As a Browns fan, I saw this hit the news and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, can we pitch in some of our cap room to make sure this happens? To answer your question, that pair right there might be worth a three-win season.
0: Chuck, scale of one to five, one being going to church and five being whiskey breakfast on the yearly trip. How much fun would it be to play the Steelers with Haskins at quarterback? Whiskey on the yearly trip with those eggs with the jalapeno in it.
1: It'd be be a little spicy. It'd be a a little spicy. All
0: right, so Chuck, you actually hit on this a little bit in the first segment I want to go back to the discussion about Watson leaving Texas because we talked about it a couple weeks ago and it seemed kind of far-fetched at the time but I think it's only gotten more likely as the days have gone on and you brought up James Harden in the first segment about how in the NBA you can just kind of raise your hand and demand a trade and within two weeks you're gone. The Texans are going to move on from Deshaun Watson before the season starts. I'm almost sure of it. And it's going to be because he's unhappy with the organization. He's going to be, it's going to be because he's unhappy with their coaching search. Chucky, do you think this is possibly the beginning of a player empowerment movement in the NFL, similar to what we've seen in the NBA, honestly, since LeBron left for the Heat? I don't. Though, at times, I would hope so, because
1: if you're that good at something and you get paid that well, you should have some sort of leverage. But when it comes to Deshaun Watson, like it was last year, right? Am I wrong that he signed that massive He signed his big deal last year, yeah. You watch your best, most explosive asset get traded for basically nothing. Your coach GM, two when does that ever work outside of like the 80s and early 90s? It just seems it would have made more sense for him to start ditching last year when he started to see players getting traded and how bad that front office was. The NFL is a more f- focused league when it comes to locking in players in certain cities and in contracts. You rarely see holdouts that last past the preseason. You rarely see blockbuster trades. Free agency is dictated by a salary cap, unlike baseball, basketball, at least. You know, you have to do the, the trade has to be one for one kind of or whatever when it comes to the financial end of it. I just think the NFL, they wouldn't want their players being able to do that. And I think there's so much more powerful than the NBA in the NHL and the MLB. I don't see that materializing in comparison to the NBA's free movement of players at any given time during their contract. What about you, Phil? In the NFL, so much of their contract is not guaranteed. So I don't
2: know how much of that big contract he signed last year was was guaranteed. The Texans can be looking at this as if, like, all right, listen, we're into it for this much, right? The guaranteed portion of this contract. So you can bitch and moan all you want. You're our quarterback next year and maybe even for the next two years. So then it, to Chuck's point, is he gonna hold? out for a season and then completely wipe out whatever the non-guaranteed portion of that massive contract is? Or is he going to play knowing that if he goes out there and plays and performs well, like he always has, there is going to be a time potentially that he's either traded or whatever happens, he ends up in a better situation. The, the players don't have the control, not even close to what the NBA player group has, especially in the NFL where parody is king there. I think a couple additions here and there and they can surround Deshaun Watson with some wide receivers, some running backs, you you know, and he's a phenomenal quarterback that it could turn that team back into the winning team in short order. I don't know how long his contract was probably like five or
0: six. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, most of that money is not going to be guaranteed. I just think that it doesn't matter to Deshaun Watson, the kind of players you put around him right now in Texas. I don't think he wants to be a part of that organization anymore. And NFL players still have such short windows for their careers that you could see him saying, if I'm not with these guys right now. I'm not hanging out for three years till we get past the guaranteed portion of the contract or something before I decide to push to see if I can move. I don't think the NBA players had the type of power they have now 20 years ago. It, not comparing the NFL to the NBA today, but is the NFL starting on that path? Because a guy like Deshaun Watson is so good that if he says, I want to go and you got to trade me, I think eventually that's going to happen. I think the Texans are going to have to move him. And I think it's, it is at least a start towards that type of player empowerment that we see in the NBA. All right. Uh, last thing in this segment and kind of a sad one Hank Aaron died over the weekend. I think everybody knows. Credible baseball player, credible hitter, credible socially conscious person off the field. I first learned about Hank Aaron when I was a kid, probably before I really became a sports fan. I just picked up a book at the library about him and started reading it. And when I got to the part about him breaking Babe Ruth's record, it was brand new news to me. It was the first I had heard about that. It completely blew my mind. It was a little bit like Jim Carrey in Dumb and Dumber when he sees the <laughs> the newspaper about you know landing on the moon and goes crazy about it. I'm like, I was 15 years late, but I was amazed that he had done that. And I was reading something about him today, and I didn't realize that he was a big Browns fan, and that in the 80s, he used to just come into Cleveland three or four times a year for games and sit by himself in the dog pound and watch games. And Ernie Accorsi, who was the GM at the time, found out about it, talked to him about it, and told him, I, we can get you better seats. And Hank Aaron was like, nah, I'll just, <laughs> I'll just sit in the dog pound, which in the in the 80s, was it had to be a pretty crazy place to be. I thought that was really cool, but... Hank Aaron career stats, he was an above 300 career hitter, 755 home runs is the number everybody knows. He had more than 3,700 hits. He had more than 2,200 RBIs. He had more than 1,400 walks, 21 all-star teams. His career war was 143.1, which put him seventh all-time. A ridiculously complete hitter that, you know, none of us ever got to see play. And I'm wondering, is there a hitter in our generation? So 80s, 90s, 2000s, you know, those years when we've been baseball fans, is
1: there a hitter that you can
0: compare him to?
1: Probably Ken Griffey Jr. maybe, and if he didn't get hurt. Right, that's the thing, is he he did. Yeah, but you could also have compared Ken Griffey Jr. to any player in the history of baseball and say if he didn't get hurt. That would be the closest comparison. Hits for power, played good defense, and maybe, again, if he didn't get hurt, a top 10 player of all time, which Hank Aaron is. I have two possibilities.
2: Hank Aaron was like the model of hitting consistency. He hit for average. He never hit more than I think 44 home runs in a season, but he played for 22 or 23 years and always hit. I don't know. I think his low years, he's in the mid twenties, 30 home runs year in year out going back to the eighties and nineties and early two thousands, a Barry Bonds, had he never got sucked into steroids would be a good comparison because I bet that guy would have hit 35 home runs a year. He could have played 20. I mean, he ended up playing 20 some years anyway. Barry Bonds was a five tool player that became a one tool player at the end of his career because he saw where the money was and it would, right. He chase the steroids and he's like, all right, I'm going to hit 73 home runs in a season and break all these records. Had he stayed on the path he was, he might be a good comparison to Hank Aaron. Uh, had he stayed healthy, I guess. I mean, he did stay healthy despite the he stayed super
0: healthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. He got
2: healthier. He got healthier as he got older. (laughs) Uh, And then the other one, to take it to a current player, I think a a Mike Trout. Now, he's got to play a lot longer, right? We got to get another solid decade of production out of this guy. He could be, when it's all said and done, a decent comparison there. That sounds crazy to say, because in this day and age, how is he not the face of everything baseball? And he just isn't. But I don't know. I mean, Hank Aaron, I learned something after reading about other than the Browns thing. He was six foot tall, 180 pounds. That's ridiculous. Um, And he hit for... That kind of power, like six foot 180. That's my size minus 20 pounds. (laughs) Like That's
0: ridiculous. (laughs) I can't hit that many home runs in a video game. (laughs) So I had Bonds and Griffey and Trout. And the only other two that I thought of that maybe worked were Frank Thomas, but I don't think his career was long enough. And A. Rod, yeah. again, guys that are hitting for power, hitting for average, and you look up A. Rod's numbers, and he didn't play as long as Aaron, but there really isn't a comparison. He wasn't a 300 career hitter, about 60 home runs behind him, a ton of RBIs behind him. Hank Aaron was was an amazing baseball player that I don't think we've quite seen the likes of
2: since. And Hank Aaron, by all accounts, was an amazing human being, and A. Rod is just a douchebag. <laughs> so
1: there's that part that no, I'm gonna have
2: to take. Oh, no, he's making a it.
1: comeback! Come on, he's making <laughs> a comeback! (laughs)
2: No way. He is riding the coattails of (laughs) J-Lo.
0: That's it. Uh, You can't blame his judgment for that one. No, no. Douchebag though. (laughs) All right, fellas, that'll wrap up this segment. Why don't we take our final break and we'll come back and talk some off the field stuff. Great franchise opportunities are few and far between. Rare is the chance to buy into a great franchise and the possibility of creating wealth while doing something you love. We here at GameStop are ready to offer you the unique chance to buy into one of our franchises. I know what you are thinking, GameStop's business model is a lot like Blockbuster and Hollywood Video, franchises that disappeared a long time ago. And you're right, pretty much everything we offer, except the uncomfortable stares from our teenaged sales associates, can be purchased on the internet. But our stock price has gone up more than 1300% in the last two months, so, We must be doing something right. There is no way that increase could be based on several hundred thousand Reddit users manipulating the stock price to create huge losses for hedge funds. Don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime chance to get into the brick-and-mortar shopping game with your very own franchise. You, too, can game the system by joining the GameStop family. All right, fellas, welcome back to segment three. We go off the field, and tell me if you've heard of something called hashtag FinTalk. No. No. This is financial advice being given by people on TikTok. Oh, perfect. Is Burke doing this? This has
1: got to be Burke. (laughs) No,
0: No, (laughs) Burke Burke should be because it's becoming a concern for people because there's a whole lot of bad advice coming from financial advisors on TikTok. What? Just a few... (laughs) I'm not on TikTok. So, you know, I don't actually, I didn't source this information myself. I got this from reading other articles, which maybe I'm being duped, but here is some of the really quality financial advice coming from people on TikTok. First, stocks only go up. Oh, (laughs) yep. Start an S Corp so you don't need to pay taxes. I can tell you that's 100% wrong. (laughs) That's right. The Federal Reserve has secret million-dollar bank accounts for every American citizen. That'd be nice. And you yeah. can just contact the Federal Reserve yeah. apparently, and they'll give you like a little bit of your money, and you can use oh. it to pay for stuff. I don't, I don't even
2: want the whole million. Just give me just give me a, a chunk
0: <laughs> yeah. Of it. Yeah, yeah. All right nice. Good to know. Uh, Pay as little on your down payment and mortgage as possible. Sound advice. (laughs) (laughs) And I read that one and my first question was, is is this advice here because no one on TikTok was old enough to remember the recession in 2008? (laughs) That's
2: probably true.
0: (laughs) Uh, So Chucky, is there any advice that you're taking or you're giving for hashtag FinTalk? I'm going
1: to do some research about the Fed having millions of dollars for each American. I think as soon as we're done taping this, I'm going to, fire up the Google machine and see what I can find out.
0: I would advise against it, Chuck. And the reason why is because that information usually comes along with somebody on the internet requesting your checking account and routing numbers. <laughs> oh, Because <laughs> how else are you supposed to get the money from the Fed? But generally not a good idea to give that away. What about you, Phil? Is there any advice you want to give on TikTok concerning personal finance? God, I don't even know where
2: to begin. I, I think TikTok is probably okay for introducing our children. Children's generation to music and dancing on team logos at halftime. I don't know. Uh, Financial advice, probably, I'm going to guess that there's at least a thousand sources better than that, um, (laughs) including like you know, your grandmother. I don't know. Like, <laughs> right, right. hey, hey, granny, what should I do with my money? Put it upstairs under the mattress. Like that's probably better advice than, yeah,
0: than yeah. TikTok fine or FinTok. Part of the problem has been that this has really blown up in the last year. And the stock market has actually been pretty crazy for the last year because our economy is struggling on a day-to-day basis, but the stock market keeps setting records. And so some of these clowns who are saying things like stocks only go up have generally been right for the last... 12 or 13 months, and that doesn't bode well because I think they're convincing people that that's true. And I know for sure, watching my 401k go from something to almost nothing in 2008 (laughs) and 2009, that stocks can actually go down. You both have young kids. Any concerns that TikTok is where they're going to be going to get their financial advice in the future?
1: I have a young wife who is on TikTok, (laughs) so... I should have you're going to want separate accounts Chuck. yeah
0: I mean I'm gonna
1: I'm gonna have to have this fiscally responsible conversation with her about how it doesn't mesh well with social media platforms <laughs> that are strictly for as Phil said discovering new music or trying to go viral doing some dance
0: what about you Phil you don't I, have a wife
1: I, I don't uh and uh and, and and even my future ex-wife, at least she's,
2: you know, not so young that I don't think I don't think she's on TikTok. I don't know. My boys are so young that I, I have to think that TikTok will probably flame out on re-entry before they're even old enough to worry about it. But there'll be something else just as ridiculous or worse in its place. So as I aspire to be a good dad, I will try to guide them away from social media platforms, giving them financial advice. I think
0: that's sound. The vaccinations for COVID are hitting the mainstream now. And I think one of the things that will hopefully have positive impact on besides life and health of, you know, the entire world is concerts in 2021. Because I think that there's probably a very growing pent up demand for people to want to get out and gather and see live music again, but we're not quite there yet. And I was reading some stuff this week about, you know, some of the different options that are out there. Now there are bands who are doing virtual concerts. A band called The Flaming Lips did a bubble concert where all of the people in attendance at the show were in their own like individual or like two-person bubbles throughout the entire show. Travis Scott, I don't even know who he is, did a concert in the game Fortnite that's something like 3 million people watch. Yeah. And I was reading something about how promoters are working with companies for misting disinfection systems and UV air filtration that will kill pathogens that are in the air at a concert. So Chucky, starting with you, are any of these good options or are we just waiting till it's safe again to, to gather and go to shows in person the way we have forever? For us, waiting. I don't know if I'll ever feel comfortable on a lawn like a
1: blossom where you're packed elbow to asshole ever again uh, or a sporting event like that i don't know if i'll ever feel comfortable for artists uh, viable for them to find other platforms to somehow either gain exposure or create revenue whether it's a, like you're saying a virtual concert or a video game or a bubble concert bubble concert do you only do you, do you get to keep the bubble so if you want to go to another show do you just infect the bubble and give it to somebody else
0: I, I didn't read that but i will say it's worth checking out like the video on youtube it was a pretty crazy scene yeah, Everybody sure. in their own and
1: bubbles. Flaming Lips are a super weird band, so I guess that makes sense. Last year, because the wife was pregnant, or, or the year before that, we didn't go to any concerts. It was the first time in 20-plus years for me that I didn't go to three or four in a summer, so I want to get back to that. I love going to concerts, but I'm also super fearful, like I said, to be sitting next to a bunch of mouth breathers at a venue and worried about what they got and if I'm getting it. And I'm not sure a mister is going to clean that off before somebody walks in the venue. I don't know.
0: (laughs) I like that you've prefaced your answer with talking about people like us. I thought you were talking about you and me, because neither of us are on a vaccination <laughs> schedule where Denko is already getting vaccinated. And I'm, uh. I'm wondering, Phil, if, is the Cleveland Clinic just going to have like an indoor concert series for its employees <laughs> this summer? <laughs> That's right. Am I allowed to mention that you're employed by the Cleveland Clinic on the pod? I can cut this out. No, sure. You can you can mention that. I'm I'm maybe
2: we can get some advertising. I don't know. <laughs> the, that would be great. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't it? They will support the chubby. The vaccination nation piece is is a uh interesting point because I it's going to take a long time to get enough people vaccinated where just full open concerts, sporting events, all those kind of things can happen again. Because, you know, you're packing anywhere between 50 and 100,000 people into an area that no, no, I agree with Chuck, no, no mister is going to take care <laughs> of that. Once there's a high enough percentage of people vaccinated and the CDC will continue to track these you know, every state will continue to track these daily numbers, and they they start to really go down and stay down. What's going to happen is, at some point on a national level, the CDC is going to put out some new recommendations based on whatever data there there is at that moment, and that could be six months from now, a year from now, who knows? And start to say, okay, I think we're safe to get back to these kind of things without extra precaution. Now, from the financial side of it, from the the artists' side of it, you know, to make a living, would I feel okay going to a concert in 2021, having been vaccinated? Knowing that I'm still going to be required to wear a mask, yeah, probably. I think I would feel safe enough to go, and as long as there's still some of that protection in in place for all that attend.
0: But n- nobody's buying into any of these alternative formats, like a virtual show or you know the bubble
1: show. I don't know. I go to concerts, and it's different from why other people go. Usually, I go for a feeling, right? An emotion, specifically sometimes an energy, depending on the band. And I don't get that if I'm on a zoom concert or I'm, I'm in some gigantic chat room and somebody's performing. It doesn't make sense to me. The, the video game thing I get, I understand that for a younger demo for kids, probably 16 and under, you might make some money there for me. I hold music at such a high esteem that It's an experience going to a concert Something you smell, touch, feel Taste sonically well, uh, Don't do doesn't...
0: any of that right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Right. Yeah, right, right.
1: right. <laughs> to me it doesn't Translate well through a computer screen If you're doing something virtually all, all three of us have been to every kind of
2: Concert venue you can imagine right All three of us have been to concerts together In every kind of venue you can imagine And you're exactly right Chuck the energy is why I go To see live music I've been to concerts where The quality of the sound of the um, band I'm there to see or the musician I'm there to see isn't great, but the energy is still there because of the right. crowd. And that's what you want. That's what you're looking for.
0: Yeah, I agree. I've never gotten the feeling of being at a Springsteen concert from watching a Springsteen concert video. It's nowhere near the same as being anywhere in a crowd. All of these new options are creative and they're good for artists. I want people to be able to get out there and make money on their music, but I don't see them really picking up the slack or interesting people you know, who just want to go see live music and have a good time. Last thing tonight, guys, Tommy Burke is still on his weight loss journey. This week, he had a good week. Tommy couldn't be here tonight. He has got some family stuff going on. That's why we had Phil jump in at the last minute. But I did ask him where he's at, and he is down 13 pounds. Hey, since that's he started, right. Which I think that's is great. a great start. As we discussed on the pod last week, and as you guys know, we started this weekend with our Iceman 30-day push-up challenge. So we've got a whole bunch of guys in our group of friends doing 100 push-ups a day. And, and Tommy's doing the push-ups right along with us. So hopefully we'll, we'll gather some more guys into it. But I'm glad to see at least, you know, for a week now, Tommy's been working at it. He's been losing some weight, getting healthier. And hopefully what we're doing is helping him along. So you guys want to say anything to Tommy and his family before we close out the evening? I am super proud of Tommy. It's a
1: huge step to try to get active or to better your life physically when you haven't done it for a while. And even if you do do it for a while, those first hundred pushups, man, like the next day yeah. I got down to do my first 25. I'm like, ooh, there's some burning in these shoulders. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't be prouder in 13 pounds is awesome. I am. I am so happy for him. And I know he will continue. How about you, Phil? Thirteen pounds in two, three weeks now is is a great pace. That's
2: fantastic. I love the energy that the group brings to this because we all want to see any one of our brothers improve their lives, be it from a, a physical standpoint, a mental standpoint, any of those kind of things. Keep chopping that wood, right? Like, all right, every day, here we go. I've got texts all day long from any one of the nine of us. From 100 push-ups, 100 push-ups. It's just there's going to be days where Tommy, uh, he doesn't feel like doing it, and he's going to get one of those texts, and you may not know it in the moment, but your text is going to say, all right, screw this. I'm getting up. I'm doing this. You just keep moving forward. It's fantastic.
0: I love it. Tommy, keep up the good work. We're also thinking about your family, man. We know that uh, today is a rough day for you guys. Hopefully everything is going to turn out okay, but uh, you have all of our love and support as always, buddy. All right, guys. I had a great time. I hope you guys did too, and we will see you guys again next week. Sounds good. Wrong. No, if, I, I think you might.
2: Cut. You might be right. <laughs> you, you might be right, and time will tell. Um, the other side of this, I suppose, is from Houston's point of view. Could there possibly be a better time to trade this kind of asset? Like they could get a haul for Deshaun Watson, right? Absolutely. I mean, they could, Absolutely. Mean, if, they're, if they're just going into fire sale of all their current veteran stars and they're going to start to rebuild so that they're they're back to where they want to be in a, in a handful of seasons they could get a haul draft pick wise young players on their first contract for deshaun watson i mean how many how and we talked about this in one of the other pods how many teams out there
0: wouldn't be in the market for a deshaun watson? right seven maybe <laughs> not not to to break up the flow here but lebron james is awesome yeah yeah,
2: yeah. He's awesome yeah breaking basketball.
0: news he <laughs> is yeah he's awesome